Officially 2D tonight. Yes, <laughs> it is 2D. I like that. I kind of like it though. <laughs> don't don't tell anybody else, but we kind of like it. Just us. <laughs> we are missing five sevenths of our, of our team <laughs> this evening. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nerdtastic in 3D podcast. My name is Jason Carter, and I'm Jack Eckler. And that's all there is tonight, <laughs> folks. God, I like the way that rolls off the tongue, though. Wow. So it's just the two of us this evening. We decided we're going to bring you a podcast mano y mano. Potentially the best podcast we've ever done, too. I don't think there's much potential. I think it's a guarantee. It is. I definitely think it's guaranteed. If we stopped right now, this would be the best. <laughs> and roll the credits. <laughs> J- <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's start off with stuff we were just talking about off, uh, off, off mic with uh, Microsoft. What, what's going on with Microsoft? Yeah, so uh, I guess this was last week, not this week, last week there were some bulletins and some things posted about um, <clears throat> the fact that Microsoft is now, uh, they hired a CBS executive, a former CBS executive that is going to be issuing in a new studio responsible for creating new IP and original content for the Xbox platform. So what I think that basically means is Xbox, you know, how Netflix, I was going to say like Hulu plus what they're Hulu's yeah. doing shows. Now Netflix is doing shows. Exactly. And I think that we're going to start to see, uh, Microsoft is actually going to be getting into that game as well. So Microsoft, they have the Zune marketplace, which is similar to the iTunes store, and they are going to be basically creating their own content only available or exclusively available. Is that popular right now? I don't personally use do you it. Know, do you know, that's what I'm saying. I, I haven't used it. So I, I wonder, though, how – I think I've heard Sean say he has, though. Sean I, Kearney, I've, I've, I thought he said – or Kearney, I thought he said he had bought something or a movie or something through that. Yeah, I think – for me personally, that price point is still too high. It's very similar to the iTunes store. I think right. I don't want to pay $5 or $2 or whatever it is for a single episode. To me, it's kind of like, nah. You can wait. I can pay 20 bucks for a whole season, maybe. that's You're talking about a dollar an episode or less. But they just haven't hit that price point yet. I can't remember the pricing exactly on the Zoom Marketplace, but it's uh, it's still a little bit out of the realm of possibility for me. Now, do you think if they did their own content, though, that it would be Let's call it free with your live subscription. Like it's just a, just a, just an extra that they they tack on, or is that something maybe they just do a? So it costs you five dollars for an episode of uh, Walking Dead, but say their show costs you two fifty. The Gaming Dead. Yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I don't know that there's much merit in Microsoft changing up the business model of Xbox Live right now. My my thinking of that is there are tens of millions of people across the world that are paying, you know, whatever it is, the equivalent of $50, $100 a year to use this service. And beyond that, it's access to pay for more things within yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. You do get things with the Xbox Live uh, subscription for free. Like, like, you know, we have Netflix that we pay for separately, but the idea to watch Netflix on the TV through the console We've talked great. about I mean, we've, we've talked about it. I'm a huge, like, I, and I'll argue 
anybody on the PS3. Unfortunately, Jay Jay's not here to for this argument, but it's okay. There's no argument. Yeah, there's no argument in it. We're we're both right about this. It's it's that if you play Xbox One, but past that, just as a entertainment experience, that's money well spent for them. You know, the sixty, I think it's sixty bucks a year, is uh, is well worth it. But on the same note, though, I think part of their business strategy is to keep those subscribers coming in. And I think adding that content for free, but the only way you get it is through getting the subscription. Sure. Makes more sense than saying, well, subscribers, if you want to watch our new show, I, I think if they try to do it that way and, and charge you for it, they might lose their ass. You might get one season out of something and they stop. Doing no, it's, it. it's a great thought. It really is. I mean, I think the one thing that excited me about the article is the, I mean, I'm definitely a, a wholehearted believer that Microsoft has dominated this generation of the console cycle. Uh, the Xbox has just sla- uh, slaughtered everything else. Uh, and what they're doing and continuing to do for the entire Xbox platform, whether that be Xbox 360 or the 720 or whatever it is that's coming next, mm-hmm. uh, is incredibly exciting that they're continuing to create a brand and they're continuing to grow each time. And now it's like, okay, hey, we're pushing games. We've pushed games. We brought Halo on board, which is this you know one of the, the industry's most massive franchises. They're pushing what they're doing with the Connect and the offerings to the casual market. They've made many, many leaps and bounds towards the media center PC. So the Xbox is basically your media hub in the living room now for it, a lot of people. It definitely is for you yeah, at your house. I for mean, sure. That's your main viewing. For a lot of people, it's going that, that route. And so this is one step more. It's like Microsoft is going like, hey, we are slowly, methodically... Uh, you know, piecing together, making an entertainment dominant platform. And the idea that the piece of that that was left was a, was passive experiences like, you know, original content created by Microsoft uh, um, in TV form, long right. form, short form, something like that. Uh, it's really exciting that they're now going into that. It's basically like, okay, we're, we're slowly, clearly hitting all these points. We've done games really well. We've done indie we're you know not super well but we've done it we've done xbox live arcade which is like more like mid-level developer we've done all the streaming things we've gotten to your living rooms we're you know it's just they're they're being strategically very smart about it and i love that they're now looking at this i mean they're giving you they're giving you the services for your money yeah. which is what i love i I, th- I think it would be horrible if if it was the same thing with sony and and you were getting what sony gives you for free but you were having to pay for they would have lost their ass, but it seems like they're legitimately taking money from what they're making and trying to put it back in to keep making the service that much better. Sure, and it's uh, no, it's super impressive. And I, I think if they could take that extra money too and then put it into some some unique shows, um, and some new just new ideas on shows, it's going to be amazing. Well, and here's the other th- two other quick thoughts with it. One is Microsoft has a unique audience. So I think the AMC does AMC has been doing this well, right? Like they've been saying like, Hey, we're not going to make some show that applies that, you know, tries to hit the women from 18 to 40 right, or, right, you know right, what right. I mean? Like the, all the, the different the demographics, w, the WB audience. Yeah. We're not going like, for that. The, the, we are hitting men age 18 to 45 or whatever. Right, right. Like that's our demographic. And we're going to create something that, that, you know, there's breaking bad out there. That's AMC, right? No, am I wrong? I can't yeah. remember. And there's uh, Walking Dead. There's, anyways, there's just programs that are getting a lot of notoriety with that. Well, that is Microsoft's audience. That's their core audience. No, absolutely. Yeah. Is, is males eight, 18 to, to whatever, 45 now. And uh, the fact that they're going to be like, hey, we're going to create content specifically for you. Look how well that's worked out for fill in the blank for all the latest shows in the last five oh, years. Sure. 
Uh, so I think that's exciting. And then the second thing I wanted to mention, which I also think is really interesting, is I think with a company with this much money and clout behind them would have a tendency to come in and say, we're going to create original IP and we're going to get into this new passive format, but we're going to do it with our people who know games really well. And they're not doing that. And I think it's incredibly smart. They've hired somebody who knows television, a CBS executive. Oh, sure. you got to go outside the box. And they're creating this studio in Los Angeles. They're creating it. Microsoft will have whatever this IP studio is here in L.A., hiring L.A. people because Los Angeles is the hub of television and film. And so they're doing it knowing there are people out there that are expertise that have an expertise in this and have lived in this world, and they're they're doing it right. Because you see a bunch of game devs sitting in a room talking about, well, we got to come up with a TV show. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> never know. Stranger things have happened. No, sure, sure. But I, I, I give it to them that they're smart enough to know that they, we want to branch into this, then we need to go at it from the correct standpoint. Now, my only concern is is bringing in the CBS exec. <laughs> is it outside the box so enough? CBS shows suck? No, well, it's just is it out? Is it outside the box enough? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, these other channels do great. Now, if you had told me we hired on an HBO exec, sure, I I would have I the, the excitement would have went through the roof because I my my thing is is can they can they push the same envelopes with I don't know would it be considered a web series on Xbox as say the cable networks can like AMC with Mad Men and Walking Dead and HBO with all their shows, can they do the same thing with webs or are they locked into some different FCC kind of laws where they, you know, they can't curse as much. You can't have as much nudity. And I'm not saying you you need that to make a good show, but that's a really good question. Um, You know, it's a paid service, right? Like if you can only access it through Xbox live and that's the assumption we're making, it is a paid service. So in theory, it would be like cable. You're paying for cable, therefore the same FCC over the air laws don't apply. Now, that being said, there are definitely, I think what you're getting at is spawning an interesting conversation about like parental control. So say exactly, you have a yeah. teenage son that has access to play multiplayer. You know, he has Xbox Live so he can play multiplayer with his friends, but now all of a sudden he has access to potential content that really isn't okay for a teenager to be looking at. Because it made me think, and it just struck me as we were, bringing this up again is that uh so so i brought up hulu as as a as a just hulu. hulu as a as far as doing their own content one of the things that they do uh kevin smith has a show on hulu that hulu puts on love kevin smith we've talked about him actually we're, we keep trying to get kevin smith potentially on the show <laughs> and kevin smith sort of the king of podcasts now has this show on hulu that's that they shoot over here at universal city walk and uh it's called spoilers and the idea is you could sign up. Actually, I, w- I want to get the Nerdcastic guys down there because we can just sign up to do this. He, he picks a movie. It's like one a week, one every other week. You come down to the theater, Universal there. He buys your ticket. You got to buy your own snacks. But you watch the movie with him. You guys finish and you go upstairs and you just talk about it. And he usually has a guest come in and they t- you, he talks to them about it. But he just goes around the room and gets opinions. How was it? Whatever. What do you think of this? Was it good? Bad? Fun show. But there's cursing, you know. It's Kevin Smith, and he's keeping it real. But it's it's a super fun show, and it and, it, and it's it's kind of I don't know for that fan base, it's kind of awesome. That kind of show I think would be great to have one little gimmicky kind of show like that, and th- before you start diving into I don't, whatever drama potentially they maybe are going to try to, to try to produce. Yeah, 
Well, so not to dive too deep into this topic, but there's this sort of odd line. I can't remember exactly what it was in the press release, I think, but it was something to the nature of uh, like show-like content, but with the potential of interactivity. So okay, I have this idea in my mind. Like, I don't know what, what it would be, but I think there's no limits there. Like, I think it's like, yeah, it's passive format, but... Maybe it's passive format like choose your own adventure. Like there's a, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a YouTube, uh, a series of YouTube videos that was like a choose your own adventure. And it was like they had built this decision tree in this path and they had shot a video for every single possible node in this like tree. Oh, right, right, right. And it was like, okay. I think I remember hearing about this. And they had in the, um, what do you call it? The overlays in YouTube, the different link overlays. It's like at the end of the video, It'll be like, click on the left-hand side if you want your character to go into the living room. Click, click on the right-hand side. And they had the videos, and those would be the links. And they had it all set up, and it was really, really brilliant. But that's kind of like an interactive, passive experience, you know? Like, I, those two are not really – can't exist in the same world. But <laughs> if there was some hybrid between the two where you're, like, partially interactive and it's partially passive at the would same time. Would you be time, into that? I don't know. I mean, maybe. I didn't honestly. I didn't know that I would ever be into a show like Lost that was like constant cliffhangers. But I fell in love with it. That's true. I mean, if it's done right, maybe, maybe. But once again, you're sitting back, just taking in the experience. You know, regardless if you like it or not, you're just sitting back doing nothing. Now, now you're taking to the point of okay, well, now I have to do something. Well, it's ta- I'm taking in the old experience, but I want to choose what I want to take in. Right? It's like right. I'm going to sit back on my couch. I'm going to enjoy this experience. But this experience is also along the way. I, I view it as like, I'm going to sit down and watch the special features of a DVD. Well, those, you know, if you won't sit down, I'm going to watch all the special features. Eventually they're going to end and you're going to have to, in your menu, go to the next one that you want right. to watch. It's a similar kind of a thing. Uh, it's just that it, there's narrative involved. So I don't know. It, there's I, some potential in there I, as well. I, I guess what it made me think about is just the, <clears throat> the Blu-ray features and how some of the Blu-ray features are very interactive. And they yeah. say they're so interactive. I've done none of them. Right? <laughs> For any of the Blu-rays I own, I have yet to do any of these crazy interactive experiences that they tout on the front of these Blu-ray discs. Partially my fault, I guess. Partially, I just don't care. Now, I don't know. Xbox, they probably would have a better interface, I'm sure. And and you're already watching the TV show you like, so it's there. So it's not like I have to put in an extra disc for this, this, this content. Right. Um, I... TV watching is is there to be lazy, sure to some extent, right? I mean, it Definitely. is a mindless kind of thing, you know. Unless you're watching Discovery Channel and taking in some potential knowledge, it is what it is. It's just a form of entertainment that you're taking in. I guess it would it would hit a point that if I was having to do too much with it, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go play Call of Duty. Yeah, well, yeah, it, <laughs> I'm gonna put this down and go totally play Call understand. of Duty. I mean, for I think where we're what we're currently used to in our world. There are passive experiences and there are interactive experiences as far as entertainment is right. concerned. And like you've said, some nights you go home and you're like, man, I just want to sit back and watch something. And there are other nights where you're like, no, I want to have a social experience and I want to interact and uh, and that's where games come in. I think what it sounds like, and this is total speculation, but what it sounds like is we could be potentially viewing like, is there a middle ground? What happens for those people who, like, I'd look at this as an example. Remember... Was it Netflix and Xbox or maybe I can't remember. There's something in Xbox where I think if you, two people had Netflix, you could join a party. You're and going watch where a movie I was going to go with together. This. Yes, you know, you, like, well, you could have a party of multiple people watching the same Netflix movie. That's what it is. Yeah, which I don't mean I, not doesn't do anything for me personally, but I mean, once again, we're back to my whole thing. 
have you done it? It's no. cool that it's there, yeah, yeah. but have you done it? No, not at all. This is I have I have this argument about everything in life lately. I don't know why, but it's it's the whole even down to your clothes and your closet. Have you worn it in? I'll give you a year. Have yeah. you worn it in the year? Well, right. well, no, but I could. Don't okay. You could, and you did in a year. <clears throat> Two completely different things. Throw it away, please. For us, throw it away. Yes. And uh, and I and I sort of starting to feel like that about features and whatnot. Instead of instead of focusing on things that are probably really important to most people, it's oh, let's just keep gimmicking the, sh- the hell out of this thing in hopes that it picks up. And maybe right. that's what it is. It's this hope that it'll be picked up instead of well. We probably could spend more time in, in, in infrastructure and in, in, in making this just a better experience overall. Or we could make your movie watching a little more, you know, enticing by if you hit B when he's grabbing a soda, it spills all over him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, yeah, I, I, that's that's how I would make the movie. But <laughs> yeah, just hit the troll button. Uh, oh, oh, that's an awesome movie. I wanted to real quick <laughs> as we sort of transition to a new topic. I wanted to give a shout out. To our special honorary nerdtastic and 3D bodyguard, Robert. I'm not going to say his last ca- name in case he doesn't want to the, be known. The, the camera the doesn't pick Robert up, but but we have a special friend who has been joining us. And uh, Robert, you're a friend of the show. And uh, Robert's name, last name, she'll go unmentioned in case uh, someone listens that shouldn't. It's but just ser- normal, Robert. Seriously, nobody's walking in this room right now without getting clotheslined by Robert right at the door. <laughs> seriously. So so if you were planning on it, don't don't. <laughs> If anyone know, even knows where we are. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. So, uh, Robert, we love you. Thank you for joining the show. Thank you for joining. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so yeah. So, we've, we've, we've beat the Xbox TV, <laughs> TV like a dead horse. Uh, so, okay. So, this article I found this week that was I, – I, I thought was super interesting, super nerdy at the same time is this uh, – was uh, this technology coming out of Hitachi. Called broken glass. That's what you want to call it. <laughs> Because you have a right, you jumped the gun because you 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 found the flaw in the system. Keep going, I love this. Okay, so the 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 cool side of it uh, is that Hitachi's been developing this technology uh, called HD DVD. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Jason is channeling all our other nerdtastic hosts who we all hate. Thank you, Jason. I didn't say this which would be is, the most productive. Which I'm, I'm sure Hitachi is probably not the only one doing this. I'll be fair. Be fair. I'm sure all storage manufacturers, Hitachi, Western Digital, uh, is Plexter still putting out hard drives? Seagate, they're all probably trying to find the potential to build storage that maybe lasts longer than it currently does. Or if they're smart, like Microsoft has done in the past. They purposely are giving us stuff that's flawed, so you keep buying their crap. <laughs> Hitachi, on the other hand, though, released what they've been working on, which is trying to find materials that you could store data on that could last. And one of the services that they found that they can store data on is quartz glass. Um, and I just was fascinated as I was reading this. Um, they can store per one inch glass square 40 megabytes now that glass square they can stack and layer those to build up uh, i think within the one inch square that they showed in the in the uh in the picture was uh was a cd's worth of data which is like a, tiny, a music cd or a dvd and tiny... maybe it was a dvd it was or it was a cd but mm, i can look what do they what do they say in the article it was it was one or the other uh, but it's an, I mean, all, either way, it's an incredibly small piece. And it's of basically it, it, all they're printing on. Yeah, okay. All they're printing onto this are, are, are just binary ones and zeros that can be read. That can be read with a uh, an optical reader. 
can right. pull this information off and reread it, and you have legit data. The cool thing about this quartz class is it's basically indestructible over the length of time besides for Jason's one well, it's, pointing out one flaw with it, which is obviously it, it is glass at the end of the day. It's and non it's not breakable. Or sorry, it's not degradable. It is, it's not a great it's breakable. It, it it's is not breakable, degradable. But it is not susceptible to uh colder heat. Or Ebola. Or Ebola. No 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 human viruses will affect your data, as it turns out. Matter of fact, I'm gonna throw out on a limb here and say your current hard drive is safe from human viruses. Um <laughs> Thank you, Jason, though, for pointing that out. Um, and it uh, it also potentially could last forever. Yeah, which I, is the really cool thing of this, obviously, right? Yeah, when I you know when I first thought of, I thought of like the perfect analogy of what this is, and I, I don't even know if these are around anymore. But you remember there was like maybe ten years ago there was all this rage where you could go like you and your wife could pose, and a laser would scan your face. And it would uh, it would etch your face with colored dots into a cubed piece of glass. Sure, that you could backlight. Yep. Backlight. Okay, yep. yeah. And I knew so what you're about, it yeah. would basically be an internal etching. Uh, I think all, all the theme the parks glass. offer this service. Exactly. Though. Yeah, it's a very you know all the theme parks have it for sure. But I thought that's the, that is data that exists in in a glass. I was like, that's the perfect thing. I mean, it's data. It's it's points in space that represent you know, eventually a shape when viewed together. Uh, I thought of the same type of thing. If you can write ones and zeros onto this piece of glass, I was like, that thing is indestructible. It's not like, hey, if I leave it out in, you know, the sun, like a, like you would an old floppy drive or right. CD, that thing's going to, you're toast, you're done. You could put that thing anywhere. You could freeze anywhere. it. You could, and the only possible way it would be ruined is if it broke. But then there's always glue, so maybe you could glue it back together. And, and that's the biggest thing, is all the other media formats that we have, even up to Blu-ray, are susceptible to degradation over time. Right. It is just a time-based thing. And if you sat it in one room that was fine and nothing was touching it, sorry, folks, there is a time limit. That will still degrade over time. This glass will last as long as you don't shatter it. Yeah. And that's that, that in itself is fascinating. And they, and they talked about like moving forward with this, this would be... Obviously, their test group and who they would they they would really focus on right off the bat would be government archival places. I mean, places that obviously are really trying to store their data. And I'm sure YouTube. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> their their infinite supply of movies. Um, and, until it got to a point, obviously, uh, where it'd be consumer grade and that we could use it. Now, the thing that they didn't talk about, uh, or maybe they did, was was because I don't think they're there yet. Would be with me in particular would be read write speed. And and even if you had data on the glass, how fast are you really capable of getting the data back? Because well, that, that that's a big thing now in general. That's why I, I'm fascinated still with just SSD uh, storage and uh, the cap- and and what what we get with that. Even down to how I edit this show, um, how insane that is to me that there's it eliminates buffering because you're just reading direct. Well, you know. so to channel my best n- nerd, my best Sean fennel uh so there is nothing that travels faster than light so if you think about an ssd drive an ssd drive has data that exists on these cells within you know this ram basically and it's connected via wires for lack of a better word you know whatever chipset to the the headers on the drive which connect to the motherboard um and so 
you're reading your data through a physical material through wire, which is considerably slower than light. So you think of a Blu-ray. Well, Blu-ray takes me a long time to start watching my movie, man. It takes 10 minutes for that thing to come up, even with the, the best $500 Sony <laughs> player called the PS3. Uh, the uh, So um, the problem with, I think, there is that what takes a long time on a Blu-ray is not actually the fact that it's the laser reading the information, but rather moving the laser and accessing the data. I think that the advantage of this particular technology is it's this tiny little like one inch square. It's this little itty bitty tiny thing, meaning your laser, the mechanics that are moving the optical reading device or writing device is a smaller amount of movements to move. Now, is it still going to be slower than an SSD? Who knows? I, I can't speak to that, but it's not like a Blu-ray where like, hey, let me now travel to the other end of this disc and well, oh, see that's the thing you're still go thinking, to the other layer, right? Right, and you're and you're still thinking on that one inch one. In my head, I was thinking the size of a hard drive, mm. but inside that hard drive was a piece of glass of that size, and, mm. and you know, layered on top, so, so you could start getting into gigabit, gigabyte size, terabyte size, and making it more of a legit storage, you know, container moving forward, because data is not getting any smaller. As we find, you know, uh, everything's being put out at higher, higher data rates just because we have storage now that can hold that. But I, uh, yeah, I just got curious on actual read speed because that's just, that's that currently for me and how it impacts my life is, uh, is huge. And I tell people all the time, one of the single biggest upgrades you could do to your computer or laptop isn't, and this is for Mac and PC people is install an SSD drive. You will shit yourself the first boot. And then I tell people, if you do it, cool, that's awesome. Then I want you to just start opening programs. And don't stop. Whatever's on your desktop is a shortcut. Open them one by one. They're all instant. And they don't stop. As you click through, there's no lag in between. They just all start opening. And they're fast. It it just blows me away. And you can go on YouTube and you can watch people's tests. Like if you're looking at a specific SSD drive, usually people will do tests. And they have programs that they run. So when they start Windows, it also does all these launch commands so you could see the speed. And the you know one of the biggest ones for me is uh, any of the Adobe Suite packages. And mm. anybody who's listening to our show who has ever launched Photoshop can tell you, and this is if you've installed no plugins, it takes a long-ass time to open. <laughs> Photoshop, let's, <laughs> let's try any Autodesk product. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Oh, my gosh. To see it open within a couple seconds, it just, it floors you. Yeah. And then... To load then, uh, the other example for, for us in particular for the show is when I load in our show that we record, the GoPro splits it up into two uh, gig and a half movie files that are pretty huge and uh, at 720p. And if you load that into any editing software on anybody's normal PC and you try to, to scrub or you try to do anything, it's just not going to happen. You have to cache a certain section. You have to Then you can watch it. This I load in. And it's instant. I can right. I can start scrubbing video. I could hit I could hit the space bar and it just plays. Period. There's no caching. It's just doing it on the fly. Uh, it's just it's just huge. So I you know anybody listening who's thinking about well I want to get rid of this and upgrade, try an SSD first. And honestly, right now, the prices for SSDs have come down significantly because there's still a huge shortage for normal hard drives. Mm. Um, still due to the, the flood that happened a long time ago now in Thailand where the majority of the hard drive factories are. SSDs, on the other hand, though, there was no shortage. The only problem with them, they were expensive to start with. And I think we're finding now that those prices have dropped, whereas 
large capacity storage, which is like your terabyte drives and whatnot, are still maintaining high. Right. And I think you're starting to see SSDs undercut, even though understand you're you're not getting a lot of storage. Sure. You're getting they they sell anywhere from sixty gigs to the biggest ones I've seen recently were five twelve. Uh, the the ones I have in my machine, I bought two hundred and twenty gig SSDs. Um, yeah, one one is one's for the boot, and what I what I load, uh, what I have uh, the programs I'm going to run, and the other one I keep all the the video files that we use for the show, so I could pick and pull. Because honestly, 120 might sound like a lot for a lot of people. 120 gigs nowadays, especially if you're into games at all on your machine, goes instantly. Oh yeah, you are searching to delete things to make room for for sure for any kind of game. So, uh, but yeah, glass. I putting mean, data on glass it's pretty cool i mean it's a pretty interesting <laughs> idea i think the thing that i find most interesting like i said is that concept of putting data into crystalline form is like it's been around for a while like how, that yeah i mean how, how but many just how not many, how many things do you think they tried it on that's what it got me thinking about too how many different how many different surfaces and materials do you think that some guy was just well, I don't, you know, we're back to the thing of sitting in a dev room. I don't know. What do you think we can put it? I don't know. Let's get high and talk about it. How about Jello? Kryptonite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure one guy, anybody have any kryptonite? I heard that holds a lot of data. Yeah, I don't know. Because because movies have touched on this. And I was trying to think. There's ones that pop in my head. Ones that come to my mind instantly were things like, uh, <clears throat> I think Minority Report had something similar. You could you could stretch it and go to, to Superman in the crystals. <laughs> Uh, there's could? another movie though that I can't think of the name. Maybe somebody listening has can remember it. Maybe Jason knows. Used these glass cards. Logan's Run. I don't know. Did they? I have no now idea. it was another movie. They used glass cards to put into some machine, and that and that's what it read off of. But I can't I can't think of the movie to save the life of me. Star Trek something. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> that was a valid effort though. Let's talk about something that a fellow uh, nerdtastic member posted. Which is... Uh, We're going to steal his thunder? We are. Uh, Lifix, L-I-F-X, the color-changing, everlasting LED light bulb. Yes, and he stole... Actually, our own Josh LeBrat posted this, but I had saw it two weeks before that, and, and it was like, well, how do I translate this into... Good radio? Yes. <laughs> no shit. And, and so you listeners know, we... we sk- just on our daily just lives, we scour the internet for articles that we find cool. But then we have to take it to the next step and think about, well, what what would you guys even want to hear us could, talk about? Could you describe this in words only? Well, it, it, back to uh, Sean's last week with the warp drive. Me and Jason both read it, and we were like, fuck, I don't know how we talk <laughs> about this to people. Uh, so I'll let you explain some of the fire details, but the headline basically says LIFX, Lifix, the color-changing, 25-year-lasting LED light bulb you can control with your smartphone. Go. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's, what's cool is this isn't the only company doing this. And, and when I got it, when I read the article, I read, it was, uh, it was an Engadget article. And they had no typical Engadget style. They talked about this cool tech and no link to anywhere to buy it or even to see. So then it, I went down the rabbit hole and I'm like, I have to have this thing. <laughs> and to break it down, the have to have thing for me is that, so if people listening, it, it is a light bulb. Understand that first and foremost. It is just <laughs> a light I don't want to blow smoke up anybody's ass. It is a light bulb. <laughs> now, the light bulb itself inside has a basically a circular, from my understanding, a circular collection of, of LEDs. 
And the cool thing about LEDs, depending on the pattern they have in there, is L you know LEDs can light up any color you want. And they basically have found that they could hit the entire spec the color spectrum with these LEDs within this light bulb. So they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. They took it the next step and included which, to me, it just blows me away. We haven't been thinking about this more. Is they included Bluetooth into this light bulb. So now you basically could talk to it through any other Bluetooth device. Now, let's go next step. Let's say, well, let's create an app specifically for that light bulb to, to connect to it with Bluetooth. Okay, that's cool. Well, what if then you could give all the controls you'd ever want in a light bulb? Meaning, well, we have access to the full color wheel, so now I can change that to any color I want, set it on any timer I want, dim it however the hell I want. Sort of all of a sudden, this light bulb sounds pretty badass. So you could say, hey, I had a really bad day at work. I just want to put on some jazz, and I want to set the mood to warm. And set I, the night to <laughs> so I, I set, I hit on my phone, I hit, you know, warm mood. Pissed. Yeah, yeah. And the lights have a sudden hue of orange to them. Uh, it's an incredibly interesting idea. And what's funny is I was talking to somebody about this saying, well, let's go further. Let's take those light bulbs in your house. Let's attach them to something, say, a specific watch you buy that also has Bluetooth technology in the watch. But the watch on the backside also has heat sensors. So let's really get really low level here and say a mood ring you could buy back in the 60s. And all the mood ring was based on was the heat of your finger that it was on. And that was obviously supposed to gauge if you were pissed, you were hot and sweaty, and if you're cold, you're, you know, you're gloomy. So let's work with that. But then this watch also is picking up, on the backside, it's picking up your heart rate, right? Sort of what Nike, I think, already does with some of your track stuff. Say you incorporate that into your lighting scheme of your home. How funny would it be to take what you just said, Jason, but you're not even hitting your phone. Right. You walk into your house pissed, and it is like you're walking into hell. Or you said it the opposite way to go, if I'm ever feeling like this, Please make it light and, now, you know, and, and floral. Now imagine that that same automation that you're talking about could apply to your music library. So you walk in and you're, sure, absolutely. And you're pissed. And all of a sudden, like I say, <laughs> Barry Manilow pops on. Boom, 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 boom. And you. Boom, boom. <laughs> some kind of Chuck Berry. I'm going to take my breath song. away. <laughs> okay, I see. The Righteous Brothers? Nice. Uh, and so, you know, you get some music that kicks on at a volume level that's appropriate to you. Your dog automatically gets fed so you don't have to worry about it. And all this is being brought to you, possible, by the makers of Nest Thermostats. <laughs> that was a nice tie-in. I mean, we could talk <laughs> We could talk about, yeah, we can actually tie into both. I've never had a transition on this show work that well. You were laughing and I knew you potentially oh. were going to go there. Uh, so, so the makers of the Nest thermostat, which we've talked about on the show, which is incredibly popular, by the way, and our own Dan Camp, a listener and guest on our show, has one in his house. Nice, Dan. Let us know how that is. Yeah. Uh, which is basically a thermostat that is a learning thermostat, it's a smart. It's thermostat. a learning computer. So it has a Wi-Fi signal that has access to your Wi-Fi network. It can check weather patterns. Uh, for the week forecast, and it will automatically adjust based on the weather patterns and your preferences that you've set it to. It will adjust the temperature so that you're always comfortable. Um, so now imagine that type of automation and intelligent learning. And it's cool looking as hell, by the it way. Is, it is. It's, made, it's actually designed by one of the original creators of the first iPod. Right. Yeah. 
And now that company that has come out with Nest, which has been a big success, they're a little expensive. I think they're in the three three fifty range. Yeah. Um, but the company that's make this is now there's rumors. They've put out a patent or something. There was uh, an FCC filing, yeah, for, for a patent. A, I think they're calling it a Zigbee, which is a similar type of thing, but it's home automation. And if I understand correctly, basically they're talking about what we were just talking about, is imagine a world where you could sort of program your life. And you, it's Wednesday, and on Wednesdays you always have a video teleconference with a company in another country and that always makes you angry and so you come home <laughs> and you just want to have some soothing tones or you want some rock music or something and you want it to be colder and you want it the lights to be brighter and you want mash to come on right at eight o'clock all these things imagine you could program your preferences to your home i've been obsessed with home automation ever since the first time as a kid i went to epcot the uh, home of the future. Home of the future. <laughs> I'm, like I'm, I'm that guy. Hey, no, no, but I'm that guy. Like even back then, and I'm still to, still to this day. When we go to Disneyland, nobody ever wants to go with me. But I love interventions for the home of the future they have, and I've, I've like as a side kind of hobby. I'm like so secretly obsessed with home automation. I think it is one of the coolest things that we're not investing in or looking into. It's, it's. 2012 i why why is because the world's going to end in approximately three weeks yeah exactly so it doesn't matter anyways but where are these things and 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 they're coming the light now no no, the thing is the light bulb and the tech they're using to me excites me because in my head i could think of so many and i'm sure everybody else has nest obviously is going that way the applications to me sort of become limitless and in, in, in things that, that, that pop into my mind, I think I've talked to you about that I'm sure I'm going to mention and somebody's going to steal from me or somebody's already developing, hopefully, is the idea of, to me, what would be cool is taking that tech the next step further and every one of your home outlets is already geared with Bluetooth. And any device that you are plugging into that wall, that device has Bluetooth. Now they're talking. Because it's Bluetooth, every outlet is sitting in a program on your computer that or on your phone you at any time, every single thing that is plugged into your house, you have access to and you have control of automatically. There's no you having to buy kits. And for people listening, that is the biggest problem with home automation right now are the packages of crap you have to buy. <laughs> and for me personally, it's also the amount you could even control. Like it just to me, it still seems pretty limited. It's it's like Jason was mentioning earlier. It's, well, your lights, your blinds, if you have a, a, an automatic system for your blinds, your your AC potentially your music if it's hooked up right maybe video but you know that's it the, the whole i want to start toast now and like any of that kind of crap unless you unless you buy yeah, well you know what i mean unless, unless you unless you buy adapters and certain things to make this happen it's a pain in the ass i just want to go back to you saying i want, I want to, to make s- toast start toast not i would like to toast bread but i would like I to start, start the process of making toast i could have said drinks but I, yeah, i'm glad you knew what i meant Damn it, Jason. It's brilliant. I, I just, I, I think there's, I think they could keep pushing this tech. And on Kickstarter, if you go to Kickstarter, there actually are some home automation systems. The only thing that bothers me is they're, I, I don't really see any difference in a lot of them. They're still the same things. You still need a lot of equipment to make this happen. The light bulb, though, fascinates me on like multiple levels. One, if for people listening, they're, they're, the one light bulb, I don't remember if it's this one or not, is on Kickstarter. And you can currently, 
buy it's expensive. It's it's like a sixty nine dollar light bulb. And then you could buy multiple light bulbs. And, and one of the funny comments in there was, or somebody had mentioned, was this, uh, this is the light bulb when you move, you take with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't leave this light bulb behind. Right. Um, but from from like for me, which, which I thought was kind of cool, was the potential for the people with kids, right? And me and Jason, who both have daughters, uh, I what I thought was cool was that you could set a light up in your room with one of these light bulbs and you could, you know, at night on the timer, set this up to just basically go through the color spectrum and just, you know, display these awesome colors through their wall and through their room, which would have been just insane to me as a kid. And this is just built in to this thing. And then at any point I walk into the room, I could switch it back to a normal light. Right. Without, without anything else. I, I think it's awesome. And I'm probably going to purchase one just because I just think it's, so damn cool. So I think you were talking something that I wanted to touch on, which is <clears throat> home automation has been totally available to everyone and everyone who is capable of doing any type of hardware engineering, electrical engineering, programming type things. Now, here's what I mean by that. Sure. <laughs> here's what I mean. So You know everyone. Yeah, so there, that's my point. There are people out there who have automated homes and who have put in the time to... I've seen Back to the Future. Right. Yeah. And Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> nice poll. Uh, so let's take as an example a uh, uh, real life story. A good friend of ours, Alan Stetson, uh, introduced me to. So the Arduino, which we've talked about on this show before, uh, is a micro USB microcontroller. So it's a programmable electronic um, uh, interface. So you sure. can basically have electronic components be programmed in. So I press a button and a servo spins. Start toast. Right, <laughs> exactly. So uh, there's a story I once heard, uh, which I thought was brilliant, which is a, a guy had a, a summer home in Florida, and he lived out here in California in Los Angeles. And he um, started getting reports from neighbors were emailing him basically saying, hey, FYI, there's been some break-ins in our neighborhood. Since you're not here very often, we wanted to give you a heads up. He was very thankful, flies out to Florida, and he installs something. And what he installs is an Arduino that is capable of no, <laughs> not that's a, a side story. I'll tell you about <laughs> right. after this that I thought you were going to go to. Go ahead. Uh, he installs an Arduino that talks to um, lights, so it has a series of lamps that are hooked up to it and relay switches. And basically, what it does is he has this thing programmed so that it will turn on the lights. Now it's not what you're thinking it is like you think well why not just have a timer right um he actually has it more interactive than that so he has this thing he's written a python script script which is a scripting language uh that will uh, go and instantly access his uh, this certain gmail account that he set up and if he has any unread mail the lights turn on so so from la what he'll do is he'll send an email to this account Anytime he wants the lights to come on. And then when he wants the lights to go off, he simply goes into that account and marks that as red and the lights go off on the other side of the state. Is, is Do you think that's the most efficient way to no, do what he's doing? Absolutely. <laughs> I was just no, going to say. No way. But is yeah, it cool? Is it kind of cool? Sure. I, I, I get is, that. My point is, and that's, I'm not any we're close to automation, but my point is that there are people who have helped automate and help program their lives and made their lives more easy with some real expertise. And I think the right. thing that's really interesting about what we're talking about right now is that for the first time, the home of the future is not just becoming available to the average consumer, but it's becoming available in an extremely user-friendly way. So the Nest thermostat, 
you get it, you install it for the first two weeks, what you're supposed to do is be meticulous about your comfort level. So if it's like even slightly too, too warm, you turn it to a little cooler and you just constantly go in and fine tune this thing. And what it's doing for the first two weeks is it's learning, 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 learning your patterns and your behaviors. And based on the temperature in here, what does it need to set it to? And it's creating these algorithms and stuff and, you know, basically setting the temperature accordingly. And, uh, I think it's a similar type of thing with all these automated things. It's incredibly user-friendly. You plug it in, you adjust, it learns, you're done. Same type of thing with the lighting. You know, the fact that you can adjust it from your couch with your smartphone. Oh, let me go to that app and man, it's a little too bright in here. Let me turn that down. That's awesome. It's insane. It's very, very cool. It's a, you know, it's funny. And also one of the, I I can't remember if we talked about it or not. We might've talked about it in our earlier show, but it makes me think of the, uh, the, uh, a shark tank episode I saw where the guy was, trying to sell his technology for locks. Did we talk about this, about the, the Bluetooth and locks? I don't think so. The idea behind it, which was awesome, and this is along the same vein, is that he was over ha- holding keys for your home, giving keys to friends who'd come over, you need them to get into your house, or the maid shows up, you know, got to have a key under the mat, all this kind of crap. The idea behind what he had was that was attached to your phone via Bluetooth, uh, a, a Bluetooth key that worked between the two of them. And if you had your phone on you, you, you could walk up and enter and you'd be fine. What was cool about that as well is that you could give this key, this virtual key to say a maid, but you could set it up that it was set to only work between certain times. Right. So if you knew she was supposed to be there at one, you say, okay, well, here's the deal. I, you know, you're, you're, you're set up for one o'clock to one thirty. If you're not there between that time, your key's not going to work. Right. And the same with friends coming over and that tech was, I just thought it was awesome. I was watching, I'm like, this is one of the coolest things I've seen on Shark Tank. And, of course, everybody bit. Um, and I could see the same, you know, once again, we're back to, I, I think the simplest form of this is really what Bluetooth has given us. And how, when I first heard about it, was pretty much we were only seeing it in, head, in head, uh, headsets and earpieces. And honestly, I thought it was lame. I'm like, oh, well, it's just wireless technology. Why do we need this separate thing? But now what we're finding via Android phones, iPhones, is that now we've opened up this really huge world yep. of what we can do. Yep. And, uh, and it's just fascinating to me because I think now we're on the verge of being able to really do some crazy crap with home automation. Really crazy crap. Make toast. <laughs> the, the world's infinite, and I go, make toast. Hey, we don't have high standards here. No, on Nerd no, no, seriously, if that thing makes me toast, I'm in. No, I just, I just think I, I'm, and that's the the nerd, you know, nerds that we are. I, I, I think the more control you can give somebody, whether you use it or not, it's up to you. But I think the more control you can give somebody over your everyday functions, and maybe finding ways to make it easier is amazing. Whether or not mass market people are going to get into that is another thing. But even it's, I think it's becoming so popular now. Even the the homes that I went and looked at last weekend to purchase over by you, Jason. One of their big selling points was that the home had built-in automation. It came with a, a couple cameras. Came with the router. It came with. Uh, once again, we're back to the gear side of things, but a, a couple of um, specific outlets that you could hook up to lighting and whatnot, and you had control. You know, an app that worked on your iPad and iPhone that you could control all this stuff with timers. The AC unit was already wired for it, um, and that's what got me amped again about this whole thing. I'm like, oh. 
The house by Jason is the home of the future. <laughs> <laughs> Buy me for the low, low price of 520000 My home's not the home of the future, but the home's near me. But the, but the home's right next to Jason are. I live in the projects of the future. <laughs> he lies to you. He lives in a, a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just wish somebody – personally, I, I wish somebody like an Apple or somebody like – and I know Microsoft has a little bit. But I wish one of those companies, or Google. Honestly, I wish Google would, since they're they're trying to. We'll talk about this next week when uh, Jay and uh, Adam are back. But like, even with their autonomous cars that we've talked about on prior shows, that they're trying to push this technology of maybe this automation technology. Why not be the first mainstream company to really integrate everything? Here's why: it's an argument you brought up with driverless cars. It's because they're computers and they're hackable. Sure. Yeah. They're susceptible to viruses. Software are susceptible to other bits of software that can corrupt it. Imagine so if you're... I think Jen was talking about this. Our friend was talking about... Was scared. She's like, if the idea of what you're, we were talking about at lunch, she's like, you're scaring the hell out of me, Jack. Yeah. She's like, if I knew that this was just doing something, literally, I would think it was going to... My house would eat me. Imagine a, a home that's completely tied into some automated network of things that's hooked up to your computer. and Like your, Skynet? And your computer gets a virus. Like Skynet. Now all of a sudden your light bulbs are downloading BitTorrent. What's today's What's today's date? What is today? <laughs> I don't know. Something 2012. Okay. So, <laughs> Hold on. This plays into my story. September okay. It's, a, it's September. It's September 26, 26. 8, 8.46 p.m. Pacific Coast time. <laughs> September September 27th. Skynet becomes self-aware. September 28th. The world ends. <laughs> That's that's where our home automation story ends right there. And the Mayans saw this coming ages ago. <laughs> Pretty much. They, they didn't tell us how it was going to end other than everything was going to come self-aware and kill us. I love, I love it. By the way, I think we need to give a very, very special shout out to some other people. Do you have any idea who I'm talking I, I about? I don't know where you're going with this, so I don't want to sound like an ass when you say it and I go, oh, yeah. Our incredibly, incredibly good friends, Jen and James. Ah, oh, I am an ass because you're absolutely right. Congratulations, you two. Our, two of our really close friends uh, who work at DreamWorks uh, got engaged. Incredibly wonderful Their people. first engagements. Their first, <laughs> a very long engagement. No, wait. Uh, Jen and James, we, uh, you know this, but we love you guys, and uh, we wish you all the best and a lifetime of happiness, and we know absolutely. you're going to provide that for each other. So awesome. Congratulations, both of you. And good, uh, good luck on the, uh, the old house hunt. They're Ooh, doing that. That's nice. what got me in the house. The, the house thing. I hear there's nice homes of the future up here. Oh my live. god, dude! For people who don't know, I, I, and I'm it sure it's called <laughs> Awesome Town. Where, where me and Jason live, literally, that's their marketing scheme. It's go, go to Valencia, Awesome Town. Go to Valencia.com. It says Awesome Town. And literally, that's and and you, I, I commend them from going that, Te- technically that bold. You and I are Awesome Tonians. Yes. They gave me. Did you give me the buttons, or did somebody else give me buttons? I have Awesome Town buttons. Uh, it says I live in Awesome Town. For people who live in the rest of the, the U.S. and not in California, let alone L.A., less than Awesome Towns. Uh, yes, I, uh, I. I'm I'm sure it's difficult finding homes in your area too. Finding homes, let alone affordable homes in L.A. proper, is retarded. There are no affordable homes in Los Angeles. And I know I'm sidebarring, but I. It's been driving me nuts lately. <laughs> there are no affordable homes in Los Angeles. No. Not anything halfway decent. And it's past that what you would maybe think was affordable. When you saw what you were going to get, you 
if you took that amount, you'd shoot yourself. If you took that amount that you're about to pay for your one bedroom in New York or LA, New York's the only other place probably you could feel what we're feeling. And Vancouver, I think, as well. Yeah. But if you took that and you went to Florida, <laughs> sure, Las Vegas, <laughs> you could probably buy a casino. Justin, if you're still listening in Wisconsin, yes, <laughs> same exact same thing. So, and it's funny. I like I said, I I did my own little house hunting again this this uh, this this last weekend for the hell of it. But listening to Jen and James as they bark on their first journey into a home, because obviously my first journey into a home we lost our ass on. So to hear their their journey is, is it's just fascinating. Sort of what you get for your money out here, and uh, yeah. I know it's sidebar. It's just been on my mind so much lately. Yeah, it's a good time. For all you kids out there listening who are thinking about joining the entertainment industry, rent. Rent. <laughs> rent. It's your friend. Yeah, rent. Yeah, especially if you have to be out here. But it's the catch-22. Yeah. And we've talked about this on the show many times in our industry is that for us in particular, being in L.A., though, in general, is job security. Yep. The majority of our work happens to still, you know, crossing our fingers, still happens to be here. And, uh, you know, if we, me and Jason lost our jobs tomorrow— um, there's a good chance we'd be could be picked up by other studios in there. Now, if we lost our job, say back at DD Florida, we talked about a couple weeks ago, they they have nothing there. If we lost our jobs tomorrow, actually, it wouldn't be that bad because the world ends the next day. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, on a more serious note, and we and, and we and I'd finally uh, and I'd finally be playing some uh, some Black Ops Zombies. Awesome. All a transition, sucker. Not quite as good as my earlier one. <laughs> it felt good inside, though. As I, as I was smiling before I said it, I'm like, oh, this it is awesome. Bad. That's like a, a gyroscope motorized two-wheel device called a Segway. <laughs> it's good times. Complete with the Segway. Oh, Sega you thing. went there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Once again, best show we've ever done. Right wow. Here. We uh, Some big news this week, Jack. Yeah. Particularly for your neck of the woods. Yeah, it was uh you you sent it out earlier in the week and I okay, so for people listening, I have done nothing but try to get Jason to purchase the next Call of Duty game. He did not purchase Modern Warfare three. Correct. Although I did veteran every spec <laughs> You did you did you did play with Adam though quite a bit. Um so my my goal in life has been I have to get him to get this next one. Now and the only the only thing I had in my corner is that Jason is a avid just lover of zombie games he loves he loves that genre he loves those games he loved it in black ops and i'm like okay i maybe can get him here unless they fuck it up Treyarch has managed from what we've read and seen really not to fuck it up and matter of fact they've seemed to have made it significantly insane and almost if you're somebody like jason i think if he buys this game he might not play any of the actual black ops game so <laughs> let's back up a second so I, i'm actually not a fan of the zombie franchise per se i don't mind it like 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 the left for deads and stuff you, you don't, don't mind it okay i mean i know I, I like left for dead i do i i i'm sorry i like walking dead i like left for dead they're okay I, it's not like i have this obsession with zombies i think they make interesting games okay. because i think it's it's really interesting ai and honestly how could you not be terrified like it's a terrifying setting sure sure uh and then you couple that with the first person shooter it's really fun um I think Treyarch is interesting because they they sort of were handed down by Activision. They said, "Hey, you're going to we're going to start really ramping up Call of Duty." Right? And we're going to have one a year, but we can't have one developer put out one a year. That's crazy talk. So we're going to have a two-year development cycle and you're going to be the second studio. Which so, at the time would have been they would have been considered at the time sort of the B team because they weren't they they weren't the 
they weren't Infinity Ward who had came Absolutely. up with the idea. Completely agree. Uh, the two guys who owned Infinity Ward, uh, Vince and Jason, were Vince Paula and Jason West, I think, uh, were um, you know the owners of the IP, basically brought attack division from EA, basically were the guys in charge of the franchise. And then there was this B team, like you say, Jack, um, that was going to do the games in between the Infinity Ward years. That started as the B team, and that's yeah. why I bring it up. Yeah. So there could be arguments to say different now. Yeah. That's true. But so their first foray into the, in, like real foray into it was uh, with Call of Duty World at War, which is uh, still a World War II-ish, uh, I believe it was on the Pacific front mostly. I actually never played that. Um, and we've talked about this on the show before, but um, I like first person shooters that have to do with historical war settings. I think those are very interesting. But Treyarch did something very odd. They had this little itty bitty bit of bonus content which was this zombie thing. <laughs> and it's basically that you start in this room and there's these windows that are boarded up and there's these Nazi zombies trying to pour into the room and you're just trying to kill them and you get points and you buy new weapons and it's just this tower defense first-person shooter game. I don't know how to describe to- it. Totally a side, pro- like, totally a oh, side project. I mean, they probably even... gave a small group and said, can you just throw this into the game? Uh, yeah, it, it literally read that it was a pa- passion project for some a couple of the developers and weren't even, like, it was like a side thing they were doing and they were just like, hey, let's use an existing uh, set so we don't have to do heavy, heavy asset creation. They, they program in a little bit of art, a little bit of gameplay and here's the setting. So, in this new little gameplay thing. And so, it came out, and World at War was uh, a decent success for the franchise. It boosted it a little bit more. Um, but zombies, this zombie thing, no one, no one saw this coming. But it became probably more popular than the game itself. For that game in particular, yeah. And then Treyarch said, wow, I can't believe all these people playing this. And you could play split screen, so you could be two of you. And then it was like, oh my gosh. And then here's another map. And it exploded into this crazy thing. Adam and I, I think we talked Uh, about this, have put put in like 150, 200 hours into World at War zombies. And so it became this incredibly interesting thing. So then we get Modern Warfare 2, I believe it was, after that. Which Which is is when I started playing. Which is Infinity Ward's new one. And then... Uh, Treyarch comes back with uh, Black Ops 1. Now, Black Ops 1, uh, Zombies had been such an incredibly critical you know, success and, and commercial success that everybody was wondering, I loved that. And myself, I was thinking I would buy it just because I loved zombies so much. Not and the game would be like, eh, it's an ad bonus, but I love the zombies. And so I'm like, oh, but I don't know. What if they're not going to do it again? Did everybody see the merit? Not only did people see the merit, they now have devoted, you know, for this version, devoted a good chunk of people to working on it. Oh, absolutely. So we're moving along in the timeline progression. Then we get Modern Warfare 3. Um, and, you know, they have their own survival kind of stuff and similar things. But it's still not zombies. And it's not getting the same level of... of um, attention with the with the core gamers that this that is the demographic that zombies got. So here we are coming on to Black Ops Two in November is coming out, and Treyarch has been pretty tight lipped. We know zombies is coming again. It's now a staple of their take on the disc. 
you will not get a Treyarch shipped Call of Duty disc without zombies. Right. Uh, so we know it's coming now. They've established that it's coming, but they've expanded each time. And all this to say, that's a little bit of the history. What they announced uh, last week, they teased last week and announced this week, is I'll let you talk actually a little bit about it. No, I mean, yeah, no, I am loving. I mean, I'll go in. I'll go into my thoughts and stuff. But by all means, it's. I, ne- I need you to have this passion so you'll buy the game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, it's basically they have now. Uh, from what I understand, put almost a full team of developers into just the zombie offerings of their Call of Duty release. And from what we they've revealed, it looks like it's on par with Left 4 Dead. Now, Left 4 Dead is a full retail... There's two of them, Left 4 Dead 1 and Left 4 Dead 2. Full retail releases, individual games by themselves, that look very similar to what, Call, what Treyarch is doing in Call of Duty. To the sure, point that where, trailer really does resemble. To the point where um, it is, it really does. Everybody is asking. It really feels like we're getting two games in one. You've got Call of Duty, which is multiplayer and campaign, uh, and then you've got zombies. And everybody's wondering, do you know how much of a killing you could make as a business entity for Activision if you split them? Call of Duty is not going anywhere. Call of Duty is incredibly popular. Highest selling game. Of all time. Uh, well, franchise. The fran- We talked about this. It's yep. the highest groping entertainment entity. Of all time. Of all time. So then, imagine now you're a developer that's contributing to that. The highest grossing franchise, entertainment franchise of all time. And you're also contributing to... This other thing, which is a giant, huge commercial success for you. So now you've got two streams of revenue coming in. Right now, it's just one. So there's a lot of speculation in the industry now. Now, this is all the business side of things. But what the offerings is, what we've seen, is you're on a bus. And you're driving this bus. And it's this old, decrepit bus. And there's been some type of zombie outbreak. And you can drive from location to location to location fighting zombies. And for anyone who has played the zombie offerings before with the Call of Duty games, um, one thing that has been, let's call it a frustration of it, is it's confined. You're confined to spaces. Somewhat small maps, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I guess, I guess in the last one, the, the moon was... Bigger. Was bigger. Uh, but still not... I mean, still pretty confined, you know? And what you're seeing with... We've talked again on the, about, on the show about the DayZ mod or the, the new uh, project, I forget now, that's coming from Microsoft, which is a similar thing. is these open-world zombie survival things. And so Treyarch is now stepping up to that. They have a massive world that you can either drive the bus around, and there's different stops that you that's can make. That's what I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. Or you can walk the world as well. In the article, it mentions you can, and there are advantages to both. If you drive the bus, you're much, much faster, but if a zombie happens to grab on and starts climbing in the windows you're in a pretty confined space but if you walk you get the freedom to run around but danger is lurking around every corner so um it basically now looks like cooperative uh four person zombie survival but you can move around this big world which is incredibly exciting then they introduce a new... So that in and of itself is a change, right? It's They've had four-person zombie survival in smaller maps. But that's its maps. own... Almost like its own game yeah. mode. Yep. And then there's a new game mode called Grief. And I know you're in particular excited about yeah, this. Yeah, I, th- I think this... I 
Yeah, let me talk about that. I, I'm I'm fascinated with it only because it adds it adds parts of multiplayer that I love because basically this mode is multiplayer and the idea behind this mode is that same world, same environment, but you have two teams of four, and you're not. The idea is you're not working together, you're working against each other, but yet you can't. And I found this really fascinating. You can't shoot each other, okay? But what that. you can do is block them. Troll them. Maybe, you basically, basically, yeah, grief them, which would be called griefing. And you're, the idea is to put them into worse situations than you're in because the winner, the winner of the game is the last person standing. It's the not the last team. team. Well, not whole team. It's just last person, it said. Is it? Yeah. That was the last team. This I, I, I thought I read it was the last person. So it's whatever person on whatever team is going is, uh, is going to win. So... Uh, but the idea that you could maybe block them in an alley using different items around the map, uh, and they they didn't really touch on too much of that, but that was part of it. I think it's funny as hell, and I think it lends itself to last human standing. To, last, uh, last human team standing wins the match. Okay, um, lends itself to just tons of hilarity. Like I, I just I can't wait to try that game mode. Now, so, is that something, Jason, you would do? Because, like I said, you're you're one of those people. You love co-op. The multiplayer aspect sort of lost on you. You're like, I don't like the competition. So uh, Mark Lamia, the head of Treyarch, has basically, they call this mode 4Z4. Instead of 4 versus 4, it's 4Z4. It's humans versus humans versus zombies. zombies yeah. And what I think is genius about this, and again, we repeat ourselves a lot in the show, but we've talked about in the past that there are three different types of game offerings. There's single solitary play. There's cooperative play, which is social play with a gained, uh, um, uh, sorry, blanking on the word, a single uh, cohesive goal. And then there is competitive play where it's you versus other people. Now, what's interesting is while we've had these three, to date, no one has really started to combine any of those. It's not like you're really combining single player and multiplayer that's not really super doable halo is making with halo 4 strides, big strides right, towards right. it but here comes treyarch and they're like nope it's pretty much going to be cooperative and competitive at the exact same with time. a great quote that says the, the the beautiful thing about this is is the the third entity in that gameplay the zombie he doesn't care Right, he's, he's just blood, blood and brains and blood flesh. And brains, yeah. He's like he's going to eat whoever he's closer to, which makes it funny because the goal is isn't so much you killing them as much as can we put the other team into a situation to really piss them off yep. and get them killed. So here's what I mean: you you hit the nail on the head. The difference here and this one simple choice, which changes everything for me, which is the competitive play is completely in this the only way you can be competitive is by being cooperative sure right i can't be competitive by myself every multiplayer game type i've ever played and i no, no, i agree with you actually on this every every multiplayer game type i've pl- personally played i could be a jerk and go off by myself and forget my team i don't care what flag you're gonna go capture i'm just gonna go kill guys that's always an option Sure. This is not an option in this game. The only way for you to possibly be competitive is by surviving with your team, meaning your team has to work together to compete against the other human beings. And I find that concept from a, like a psychological standpoint as a gamer now, incredibly now see, interesting. Now, see, you say that, but like I, 
it still makes me wonder, like, when we play, when we have, say, we play multiplayer in normal Call of Duty where we have six guys. Now, our goal, if you're playing with the right group of six guys, is to win and to play competitively and play with each other and play smart and do what you need to do and you don't have jackasses who run around. But yet that... Is it because you haven't been around that aspect of it enough to make sense? The difference is that I can't get picked off by the other team. Well... Okay, in this circumstance, no. The zombies could kill you. Is that what it is? It's just exactly. the AI kills you, you're fine. Well, <laughs> Some you thirteen year old as... kills you, you're like Right. To me that to me that just it it puts I don't know how to describe this. It puts direct skill, for lack of a better word, against skill. And when it's that direct, hey, this person's better than this person, or this person one up to this person, that to me I have a problem with. I just don't like that type of play. It's, I'm not a competitive person, it's not my style. Now you put into a situation of this guy outsmarts this guy. Now we're talking interesting to me because I like the idea of, hey, it's not just, oh, I got the one up and shot this guy first or I can throw a grenade or my left trigger fingers faster. Right, right. It's I worked with my team or my team had better craftsmanship or whatever and teamwork to be able to effectively win and effectively change the course of circumstances. Like I love this idea in my head of imagine you like, rip off a dead body's arm and you've got this like arm stake like a zombie you know thing and you just chuck it into the into your opposing team and all the zombies are like oh meat and yeah, they run yeah, sure, in, you know? sure sure exactly right like it's like you know instead of throwing a grenade you're just throwing this thing and having zombies chased after your opponent and so i think that's going to be the funny thing i think it's going to be within the first week of the game the youtube videos are going to come out where people find ways to probably abuse and, and i and i can hear our conversation now we think this is awesome I can see within a week or two of these just glitches or these things that people have realized you can do yeah. and you instantly screw a team. Like yeah. the game starts and they're like, nah, just go over to the, the gas station, hit this button and it, you trap them in that room and yeah. they just get man-eated. <laughs> um, I'm sure that's going to happen. But then again, the beauty of Treyarch, and this is something I was going to come full circle with, is that out of the two developers, they have done nothing but vigorously try to listen to the community and actually do things for the community. They're known as the community Call of Duty. Uh, it's why Black Ops was such a huge success. I, there's still, I have a lot of friends who still go back and play Black Ops all the time. They continually were trying to do things for the community as far as gameplay went. Um, in particular, really going into Black Ops 2, the things that they're doing are just huge. Um, yeah. <clears throat> for people, one of the things I heard just the other day that I that is going to be a huge thing for, for people listening who are into multiplayer is the fact of them taking out Death Streaks. Death Streaks, Jason, I you didn't play much multi, so you might not, you maybe wouldn't have known this, was designed, was <laughs> designed maybe for somebody like you who... You die so much, you get pissed. They give you some built-in perks if you've died a certain number of times to try to help you. A couple, one might be, they call juice. You die five times in a row, you get a thing called juice. So when you spawn in, you can move super fast. You run really, really fast. Another, another one is last stand. You get killed, but you drop into this sort of on the ground where you get a pistol. Um, but it was anonymous with the worst thing that was in the game because it just... it punished somebody potentially for doing very very well if i was on a streak and i'm just been destroying everybody but then i come across a guy who's on his death streak one of the one of the other ones was called uh dead man's hand which is basically as you went to the ground you could hit your fire button again and you all of a sudden became c4 
So if the guy who killed you was close enough, he's dying too. So now all of a sudden, this big streak I've been on, now I'm punished for killing you. Right. Um, that was a huge gripe from from Modern Warfare Three, and it's been on some of the other ones. And um, and uh, they've they've come out and said, we've listened. This is a this is a, a big thing. You're right. They shouldn't be awarded for this. So we're going to take that out. Um, they've done a lot of things to award. Which is great for people like me. Yeah. Right. Right. For for for. <laughs> <laughs> for people who needed a, you know some kind of award when they weren't doing well but then for people like you though who maybe like a lot of the people they would say who would argue back say well that sucks because I'm an objective player so I play domination that's my main my main thing and objective players are people who go for the flags who maybe aren't your killers but they they I want to win the game and to win the game I have to have a b or c flag or I have to capture the flag capture the flag get it back but I'm not a killer I you know my aim sucks I just know how to do this really well They've tried to gear it towards really promoting. Now, Modern Warfare 3 try to do that, and they do it a bit. <clears throat> Black Ops 2, though, is really trying to push it with a point system that really, really honors the people who do that and have that kind of play. And actually, it also gives a lot of props to people, um, the game style, to uh, running more and moving around more and less camping, which, is some, which has been a problem with, I think, the franchise since it's Incarnate, where you're going to have people who just sit in a corner, it's what they do. Maybe get a couple kills a game. They don't really care, and they maybe that's how they find it enjoyable. But for the masses of people who play regularly, you want people rotating, moving around, and and and, and whatnot. And and these people have a tendency to ruin a game. So they've come up with solutions of a perk that has been through the the game franchises has been either Ghost or like in Modern Warfare Three Assassin, which is if you had other perks up or kill streaks like UAVs and things that spotted people on the mini map these perks would void that and you'd stay hidden and you'd have people who would just abuse that and whatnot. What they've done in this new new one, which I've heard, which is really fascinating, is, is that you can have that perk, but the second you stop moving, it's limited to like a second and then you're back up on the map. So it's almost like Predator Vision, a little bit, but opposite, you know, right, right. Um, which I, I think is awesome. It's just, it's just really awesome that they are taking the time to listen. I think they did the same thing with zombies. It's, listening to the community and really, really trying to put in everything the community is saying, this is what would make this that much better for sure for the next game, which I, I wish more just game developers in general would listen to. And maybe they do to some extent, but I think not as much as the Call of Duty franchises are really trying to do. So ask me the question that I know you're dying to ask me. Are you going to buy it? <laughs> that's the question did this last article now this is a pretty big article and and and, and we we put it out there for people and we're it's going to be up on facebook and you know, obviously we'll have a link on our webpage to to the zombie article because it's huge there's a lot going on with this thing i i hadn't played zombies at all but i watched that and i got excited and sent it to him I'm like dude did you see this video this actually looks really fun yeah um you can get four of us in there jay here's 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 let me here's how i'm gonna answer this have did what I see oh, today? Helicopter. Did what I see today sell me on buying the game? I think so. When am I going to buy the game? Is the question. I think I think it's probably enough, and and this is time will tell. So for me, the enjoyment of what that brings is cooperative play. Meaning, I want a group of friends that are going to play sure. this with me. Sure. I think the reality of what's going to happen is that all of my this is the catch twenty two all my friends is going to they're going to get the game and they're going to play multiplayer for six months. 
It's fine. I don't mind. It's the reality of things. I think everybody gets into the Call of Duty. They play for six months. Then they start to get bored and look for other things. Do the other things in the game. Right. And so from my perspective, the things that interest me, I'm probably not going to do for six months. So why not buy it for $15 cheaper six months from now? Well, potentially of... Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess the whole aspect of some of those game types maybe lend themselves to still playing by yourself or jumping in with just some randoms. I'm not sure. I'm not um, a big. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not a big guy of jumping in with random people. It's not my. So style. it's either you like you do now. It's either you want to play something solo that you just enjoy, or it's going to be something with friends. Yeah, I mean, and I and, I, not, and I hear you on that. I'm not strictly opposed to matchmaking. I have just found that. It's a lot more enjoyable when you do sure. it with a group of sure. people that have similar interests. You know, you never know who you'll find out there. And you're right. You hit the nail on the head. I, I would I would love to sit here and tell you how much I'm going to, as soon as the game comes out, sit and go, nah, we're going to play nothing but zombies. Yeah. But you, you know, but you know me. Yeah, and, it's and, 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 and I... Uh, well, the real appeal of those games for you is multiplayer, and the rest is fluff. And I totally yeah, get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, I, but, but in all honesty, after watching that video... I kind of got excited to really want to try that. Well, where I feel like I didn't really get that in Black Ops for some reason. I never really got excited to want to play that game type. I still want to though. I still want to come over one of the nights and just man night it up at your house, and we're gonna play some just in your living room on the big screen. And I'm gonna I'm gonna see what zombies is all about. Done, done, love it. And and you know we'll we'll do whatever, and you can sell me on it that way. I uh, this though got me just excited in general of getting the group of us guys, especially if we get the Nerdtastic guys involved, and, and we'll record some of it and maybe do some cool YouTube videos of gameplay of us just, you know, that experience. Well, I will say we're getting closer to that eight-man mark now that we have seven oh, yeah, members. No That's good times. <laughs> Yet right now we are down to two. <laughs> I don't know how we're five men down this evening. No, it just it just happened. I, But I it's, it's so funny. I saw that video, and I got so excited. I'm like, oh, he's going to buy it now. There's no uh, way he can't buy this game now. It is enticing. They've stepped it up such to a degree that he, Jason's got to admit, okay, that's kind of cool. Oh, it's very cool. It's very cool. I well, because my argument of trying to get you, I'm like, oh, Jason, it's a time period game this time. It's a futuristic game. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> if I want to play a futuristic game, you know what comes out like two days earlier? My favorite yeah, franchise. Yeah, your favorite franchise. You know, speaking of your favorite franchise, uh, I don't know how much time we have left, but I... Uh, Negative two minutes. Okay. <laughs> um, Borderlands 2. So, all my friends. So I, I uh, in in Call of Duty, I'm I'm part of a clan, as they call it, uh, which is just a group, of, a team, or a group of friends, or whatever. And our and our group is very specific to domination and 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 very hardcore about it. And and it's serious guys who play very serious and and very competitive. Lately, though, <laughs> their big thing and all the whole group has been Borderlands. Borderlands Two. And and Borderlands Two, yeah. And I've. So I watched some gameplay the other day because I, I had uh, X Sinister, one of our guests on our show. Uh, Jack, you got to get this. We can co-op. We can play four-player. We can get you can get J- if Jason wants to play. He brought you up. He's like, this might be up his alley. He's like, let's play. Let's play. And I'm like, all right, well, uh. <laughs> yeah, especially Jason here. He knows me. I, the game has to be something insane for me to want to play. It's something <clears throat> other than Call of Duty. That's just how I am and how I'm built. So I watched some video. It is a Tune shaded Halo. 
That's the only way. I'm going to be the one to call it because nobody else seems to want to talk about it. It is a tune-shaded Halo game. I don't believe that. Oh, Jason. Like I, and I had him watching this at his house this last weekend. And I'm looking at you. I'm looking at him. I'm like, at any point, I'm looking for him to look back at me and go, okay, I see it. It's not Halo. It's it's, uh, it's tune-shaded. Jason. I, I don't see the Halo part. Really? There's no The futuristic weapons, the, the, the alien walker, it's Halo. Uh, to mix me, it mixed with um to me it's got more of a uh, half life. Oh vibe. god, what's the movie, dude? Uh, with uh, they go they go over to the planet um, Apes, Planet of the no, Apes. No, dude, they they fight aliens. It's all like uh, Independence sort of, Day, sort of B movie style where they're like soldiers and recruits on the Earth, and they go over to fight um, monsters versus aliens. Damn it, Chase! I'm listing all the alien no, movies I know. Well, what is it called? Uh, oh, they they uh, it's like. Pro, they they do like the propaganda back on Earth about fighting these these insects. Oh, uh, Starship Troopers. Yes, thank you. I, I'd get it eventually. To me, watching that game was a mix of Starship Troopers and Halo. And I watch it, I'm like, oh god, this is Jason's alley. And then you're like, eh. I, so sometimes I don't get you at all. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely very Starship Troopers vibe to me. Now I haven't played the game, but the gameplay we looked at the other night didn't it look like definitely that? Yeah. Starship Troopers. But you didn't get any Halo vibe no, from that. Even dude. the guns and the and the pulse rifles and stuff didn't really resemble. No, Halo oh, has a, Halo has a much different vibe to me. Halo is a, a good story. That's what Halo is about. <laughs> oh, that's the thing. I don't. I don't know. Does, I take it Borderlands Two has a story, right? Probably. I've no idea. I have no <laughs> well, idea. it's a whole big co-op mission, right? I mean, it's not. I guess you can multiplayer, but I've only heard them talk about co-op and single player. All I've heard amazing things about the game. All I know personally is uh, off of the gameplay that I've seen, I haven't seen anything that's been like... But it didn't sell you. No. But it seems interesting. I mean, there's... I'm so I, fascinated by that. Here's one I thing I will say. About it. I do really highly trust word of mouth, and that game is getting an incredible word of mouth. Sure. I mean, every, literally almost everybody I know is all about it. Even uh, our other group of friends at some of the other studios, they're playing it on the PC, but uh, they're, they're playing like every night. I load up Steam friends list in their Borderlands 2 every night. So there must be something to it. I just, I'm, I'm personally not seeing it in the videos. So there's probably something I'm missing. Maybe it is fun. Maybe I'm just still completely jaded in, in my genre stuff. But if you're out there listening and you play Borderlands 2, what's fun about it? Let us know. Magnus, I know you're listening. Our one viewer who always listens, Magnus, do a YouTube. Magnus, video you do it, do you it, do it. it. Yeah, exactly. Do a YouTube response <laughs> on why you like this. Oh, I love Magnus. He's so here's, awesome. Here's I was playing thing. with him the other night. Here's, he cracks me up. Here it is, Magnus. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, <laughs> is to convince Jack and I to play that this. This game. is the game to play. You know what? Let's throw it out there too. Sinister. <laughs> <laughs> do better than just say Jack buy this game. Convince us. Because. <laughs> That 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 whole conversation and that whole debate is how I've ended up buying multiple Halos that never get played in my house. It's true, <laughs> including people like sitting across from me and, and Josh Abroad, who's not here now. And uh, I'm sure when it comes out and they're telling me how amazing fun it is, I'm gonna spend money I don't have and and play once with them. <laughs> <laughs> do you play? Do you play multi in that at all? Uh, I did a little bit in because that's really, from what I've heard. That's really competitive. Yeah. Yeah, that's ML, MLG stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, I just love the... Love the... Campaign. Just love the... You love the... You're into the story pretty heavy. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Nertastic in 3D. In episode 2D. number 41. In, in just the two of us. Quattro uno. <laughs> if I can't show up next week, you're going to do it by yourself. No. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> I wanted to talk to I'm you. I'm just going to start... This is Jack. <laughs> and 
That's all we have. I'm going to sit here and talk nothing but Call of Duty for now. I'm like, Jason, did I finish it up? Can you, did, did you mind just checking the levels? Jack, I'm pretty sure you talked about Call of Duty the entire show. <laughs> it's going to be the longest commentary I've ever done. It's a good time. Actually, speaking of commentary, I sitting on my desk, I have I have Premiere up with a video of me getting a uh, a mother of all bombs, a Moab, which is 24 straight kills in, in Modern Warfare 3 that I got many, many, many months ago. After Sinister got one, and I was like, well, Sinister can get one, I can get one. Um, and it, and I, and I've since then gotten, I think I've gotten only gotten four. Now there's people who have gotten hundreds and hundreds and who are amazing at this game, but I'm going to do a series with these four called the poor man's Moab <laughs> that, uh, I'm going to try to put out and I'll link to Nerdtastic in 3d. And, uh, it, it's just funny because the commentary thing we're talking about talking, just sitting, talking for that long. I've tried to record this thing like five times now. It's <laughs> something always comes out. My daughter comes running and is like, Daddy. I'm like, okay, now let me start over again. <laughs> So I'm not sure I could sit here and talk for an hour and a half. Oh, you could. We did it to just the two of us. But like we say, ladies and gentlemen, this yeah. is Nerdtastic in 3D. My name is Jason Carter. I'm Jack Eckler. And uh, thank you for listening to the thank two you. of us ramble on for an hour and however damn, long. Damn good show. Love you guys. Yep. Bye. See you. Nerdtastic. 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 Nerdtastic.